welcome back to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. Before we begin, this episode mentioned sexual assault and intimate partner violence. If you're uncomfortable with those topics, I'll see you next week. If you'd like to continue, this week's episode is intense, but it paints a disturbing picture that even Division I athletes aren't fully immune from the ramifications of SA and IPV. If you're a survivor or know anyone who could benefit from resources, I've linked a few in the show notes. Today's guest is former Xavier University cross-country athlete Davey Jagadeson. Jagadeson swam, played field hockey, and ran cross-country during high school. She took Pennsylvania state cross-country rankings by storm. She was being recruited to a number of Division I programs, but opted for head coach Ryan Orner and the Musketeers. I had a breakout uh, season, my spring track season of junior year. Um, I never knew I wanted to run in college. I never knew I wanted to do sports in college. Um, I joined the track team my freshman year of high school. Um, and I like begged, begged my coach not to put me down to JV that year. I was like, let me like work hard. I, I promise I'll work hard and show you that like I belong on, on varsity. So like um, freshman and sophomore year, I really, um, you know, worked my way up. And then sophomore year, I had a really bad loss at, at the like district championship that would qualify me for the state championship. And that just kind of like sparked this like frenzy in me that like I just had to do whatever it took to get to the next level that like I would be out in front and like I would never lose at the end again. Like I would just be too far ahead for anyone to beat me. By the end of spring track, I ended up having three stress fractures in my hip, femur, and groin all in one leg that almost broke my femur to the point where I was never gonna be able to run again. Um, I was going through back then really bad mental health issues. Um, I think it was the pressure of the recruiting process. You know, senior year, you wanna like prove yourself and go out with a bang. And um, I think there was a part of me that knew my body wasn't holding up the way that it did that junior year. In Orner, she found the kind of person she felt could nurture her back to success. So you really want someone that you can trust that is not going to like do any reverse psychology or dangle your spot uh, um, on your on the team against you and things like that. Like that is, I don't think that's healthy for any athlete. I know it happens in a lot more of like the revenue making sports and like like I said, there's a good side of it. It treats, it, it teaches you this type of like motivation to go after what you want and like learn those things to put yourself out there and like take pride in like the skills you have. Um, but but there there is a dark side to it. And I, I think there's a lot of like departments and coaches that forget that these are kids coming out of their child childhood homes and into this world of of a business because it is a business and then when other outside coming of age or like trauma happens how do we give the tools to the athlete to be able to continue at a high performing level because i i truly believe that like coming out of 18 we our minds not even though they're not developed like we are thinking in a way that most 18 year olds are not thinking. We're thinking about high performance. We're thinking about money. Um, we're thinking about the, you know, the next phase of, you know, 
possibly being a star. And, and so it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And then on top of it, like going to college level classes, meeting a bunch of new people, the ridiculous romantic relationships that exist on college campuses that are never actually healthy. So yeah, no, there's, there's a lot that's going on in those 18 year old brains. Her freshman year with the Musketeers, Jagadeesan spent 2014 rehabbing from her fourth stress fracture. She missed all of that winter and spring's track seasons. During this time, she was advised to speak with Xavier Athletics' nutritionist. I was sent to a nutritionist doing the whole like lab scans of like bone density because it was so many stress fractures in the course of like, you know, less than a year, I guess. Um, and... I really pinpoint seeing the nutritionist uh, in the spring of my freshman year of track as like the start of my eating disorder and like body image issues. Um, there was just, you know, coming like going through the injury and taking that kind of time off, being a freshman, um, go, wait, I'm trying to think, hold on. Go, yeah, going on birth control. Um, I was going through puberty. So like, of course I was gaining weight. Yes, drinking causes weight gain, but I was also like in a sheltered home all of high school. I wanted to make friends. I was curious, I was a kid and you know, it was also part of the team, team culture. Like we did have parties and things like that. So there was a lot of different components, but then to go to a nutritionist that then is like telling you, you need to be 10% body fat to then like probably be one of the top people on the team and telling you, you only need to eat 1400 calories when you're running 50 miles a week. It, that summer was really, it just started snowballing. Coach Orner suggested taking a step back from training for as long as Jagadeesan needed even initially directing her to the nutritionist as a way to maintain fitness during the downtime. He let me take the time off when I had the stress fractures. He sent me to the nutritionist thinking it would help me, right? And, um, and then sophomore year comes around, I already have, you know, this, this body issue, like problem. Um, I'm going in wanting to redeem myself of the previous season because I had missed competing in the postseason by one spot on cross country. Um, and, and so I was like running a lot, trying to do a lot of extra like strength work, but my body was just not the same. Didn't know what it was. Eventually found out it was anemia. So then I was like, oh my God, I just can't win. Like it's injuries and now anemia. Like I know how long anemia takes to like recover from, like it can take a whole year. Um, and then of course, like the nutritionist like was giving me so much advice about helping me with an anemia and it just every plate of food started to be this whole thought process of I need the iron but I'm a vegetarian and I'm feeling guilty for being a vegetarian even though I've been a vegetarian since I was 11 years old um and then the guilt of the calories right so it was just easier to like not eat at that point during that time, Jagadeesan was confiding in team personnel about the self-image issues she was struggling with. One individual took advantage of that vulnerability. 
and there was a person that was associated with, with the team, not on the team, with the team. And I was sexually assaulted. And so like everything about the team setting, cross country running, it just reminded me of like this event that like I couldn't understand. Like I, at first I was in a lot of denial. I was like, if I run fast, it won't matter. Like everything will go back to normal. Like my life was normal when I ran fast, um, when I was winning, like, and you know, it did it, for me. I also didn't like come forward about it and try to suppress it because I didn't want to mess with any sort of team dynamic. You know, there were allies on the team. And actually in my case, um, I found more, more support and comfort in my men's team, um, which is not always the case. Um, but you know, there was a lot of times that I was really feeling unsafe. I would feel unsafe to go to team parties and this was my team. Like, and, and so it was very, very hard. And by the time I got back to campus for sophomore year, I wasn't myself, you know, as a young girl, you don't know what people are going to say. And there's this certain pressure that you have to live up to. And then being an athlete on top of it, it's, it's exhausting. And so eventually sophomore year, we were we had this bowling alley that was like a bowling alley and bar. Like no one actually went there to bowl. <laughs> um, but we were all there. It was a lot of athletes, a lot of students. And I just remember completely like running out of there at one point, breaking down and my friends following me and picking me up from the street. Like you have to get help because I was just like, I, I was just, I was just so scared to be around anyone. Jagadeesan was back on campus, but a part of her felt like it was missing. Her friend group shifted during that time to include student-athletes from a revenue-building sport on campus. She started feeling more confident and comfortable with this new group of friends, even divulging to one about the trauma she was coping with. It, it was awesome because, like, you know, when you're friends with a prominent team, you start to feel important, too. And I think that was a big thing for me, is, like, coming into Xavier, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to wear Xavier on my chest. I wanted to be important because um, that's what I was used to. And so being friends with and hanging out with a team that already had that importance helped me kind of, it made me feel like things would be okay. It made me, think, made me feel that things would be safe for me. Um, especially because the individuals that we were becoming friends with, you know, became some of our best friends. One student athlete in particular became a close confidant. I was able to talk to them about what happened to me in that summer and just this trust bond formed very, very quickly. Um, and that meant a lot back then because, you know, college is really no different than high school with the friendship drama. <laughs> and at the time, it just, especially with the way the team dynamic was after what happened to me, I don't know if I could trust a lot of people. And so it was almost refreshing to like be with friends with someone that's like, that was not part of the team. Like we had different practice schedules and things like that. Long story short, um, 
this person grew romantic feelings for me that I could not return. There was someone that, you know, I still had feelings for. I didn't want that. In my mind, we were friends. You know, you're, you're at this point, I'm 19. I'm 19 years old. I'm scared of relationships. Like, don't want that. I have enough going on. But, and that created this, this void between us and this, this resentment that, you know, every time the feelings would get in the way and I would deny those, like, returning those feelings, their behavior started to grow a lot different than the person I knew. This student athlete reached out to Jagadeeson with pictures of a gun he planned to purchase. He said he was part of a drug deal gone wrong and that he needed Jagadeeson's help to secure his safety. Once she suggested instead that he seek professional help, his tactics switched. He aimed violent threats at her personal safety and body autonomy, making her feel violated and unsafe in her own room, only down the building's hallway from his. A police investigation was launched. It found that not only had he purchased the gun prior to begging for Jagadeeson's help, but that the storyline about his safety being in danger was fabricated as a way to gain Jagadeeson's trust and attention. A little bit after that, I went to this spoken word um, performance that was at my school. It was a group called Speak Like a Girl. And they were some of the bravest women I've ever seen on stage. And they started talking, they started saying this poem um, about military sexual assault. And all of a sudden I burst into tears. And I think, I told myself if I ever want, if, if I could never be like these women and speaking my truth, I just hope that now I know that there's other women that experience this, that there would be women always like them, like helping girls like me. The case went to Title IX, and Jagadeeson got her first taste of the innate biased hierarchy of revenue building sports. The student athlete was never charged or even reprimanded. Jagadeeson requested a protection order through Title IX, but it didn't come equipped with the potential for criminal charges. I was told that it wasn't up to me, but asked, would I feel safe if this person moved back down the hall from me? I, I kind of just looked at them and I was like, you just told me it's not up to me, but asked me if I would feel safe if the person who made up that they had a gun moved back down the hall from where I sleep at night. I go, if it's not up to me, then why are you asking? Two days later, he moved back down the hall from me. Um, and so I started to see the university with clear eyes, like, and I started growing angry. And like, when you love something, like when you love a school, you want to hold it accountable. And slowly and slowly, I became like those girls on stage. And, and I, 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 it's not normal. I don't want this to ever be normal, but I, I was a witness and witness doesn't mean I watched anything. Witness means that I was a person that survivors then came to when things happened. And then I was in, I ended up by the end of my college career being in four title nine hearings. And then what kept me going were the people that asked me my side of the story.
throughout that time, um, some people started confiding in me and some people disclosed their stories. And all of a sudden I looked specifically at this team that I was associating with before this whole gun event. And I realized there were individuals that were abusing their power. And I started speaking out about how I experienced certain violence on campus. And then more women started talking to me. And then more women started talking to me and more students started talking to me. And all of a sudden the campus became freaking smaller. And it was not like nothing was this perfect image that I had when I came into Xavier. Like everything was so skewed as the way I think certain coaches, maybe the school, certain individuals were protected in this system of what then I learned to be Title IX. The combination of her Title IX investigation and the trauma of her sexual assault buried Jagadeeson under a layer of anxiety. She didn't feel safe anywhere on campus. She didn't feel like she could confide in anyone and activities and places she had grown a love for filled her with dread. She was diagnosed with bipolar depression and anxiety. I would walk into practice every day. I'd be afraid of certain locker rooms that I'd walk by. I'd go past the weight room and see another team that hated me because, I mean, it wasn't my fault their teammate did what they did, but I could not go to practice anymore without feeling fuck, like freaking scared. And, um, that's not why I started to be a runner. I did not sign up to be a runner to be scared. And to be honest, I look back at it now and I think there was always a part of me that was scared. Like I was scared of what would happen if I didn't join the cross country team, like back in high school, because, because the coaches there made me feel that way. They made me feel selfish. Um, for wanting to play field hockey, for wanting to do swimming, for wanting to be a kid. And then I get to college where it's a business and you do represent a university and and you're in the real world, right? And then when real things happen, when violence happens and you're still scared, I don't ever think that should be normal not for something that you're supposed to love. You're not supposed to be scared of someone you love and you're not supposed to be scared of the things you love. Um, so I left the team. What they don't talk about is when you experience violence, you tend to experience other forms of violence because it just becomes normal. It becomes part of your life. Um, it was very easy for me to leave the team thinking I was doing what was best for me. And at the time I was, but then it was easy for me to only know violence. So then it's not very surprising that I was then in an abusive relationship because I was just like, there was so much, like when you confide in someone, especially about the violent things that you've experienced and, you know, things that have impacted your body, like 
know, not just putting your body out there for a sport, but like, but then to have it taken advantage of in other forms, like you don't know yourself anymore. Like that feeling that I used to have as a junior in high school, when I had that breakout season and I ran the fastest I ever had, like that is a trust between you and your body that you want for the rest of your life. And that was stripped away from me the second I walked onto campus. When Jackie Deason approached Orner and informed him of her exit, she watched as the puzzle pieces connected in his mind. We were going over like my cross country season again, another bad season. And he obviously like the topic of my health and everything came up, but I was going to ask for five days off, which if anyone who's a runner knows that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot in athletics, but in running, that's like a, that's like a whole season. Okay. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but anyways, um, I was going to ask for five days off to get an IUD because the nutritionist was like, you, I don't know. I don't know if you should be on the pill. Like it's causing you weight gain, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, Oh my God, weight gain. Like it, revolves in my whole brain all the time um and so I was considering an IUD and my coach was like kind of like a father figure and so like he didn't do it in any sort of disrespectful way or like any weird way but like he knew I wasn't in a relationship or at least like committed one and and so he was like well do you want to be on birth control and or I don't even think he said it like that. He was like hinting around it. Like I could read his mind on like what he was saying. And like he, and I was like, look, I just, I can't feel safe on this campus if I'm not on birth control. And he was like, what do you mean you can't feel safe? And when he said it, and when he kind of like, I knew he figured it out, that's when I like broke down and I told him. And so like what I would say to people who don't know how to ask for help is like, I know it's very, very, very hard to tell someone what you're going through. One person makes a difference. I think what it's, it's hard because why we talk about these issues is, you know, there's been a lot of people that have come forward and said things and they haven't been believed or they haven't received help. And it's awful. You know, I, I, I think of all those women we've lost in the last couple of months. And I really do wonder if they came forward and someone didn't say the right thing. And I don't mean to put that on them, but um, mental health is the responsibility of all of us and without the support of my coach and then especially when the gun thing happened without him being like Davey you cannot run in this meet like you are not okay like, you are taking time off like that doesn't happen in a lot of division one programs like I think what was great about my coach for him and like my relationship was like he knew that this wasn't normal for me or anyone um, for that matter, like he knew the background that I came from. He knew this was such a culture shock for me. Um, of course, he was very devastated when I left the team. He never expected that I would give up track. I never expected I was going to give up track. Um, but he wasn't mad at me. Like, and I think there's a lot of people that think if they ask for help or they go to their coach about something that they're going to get punished. And if they are shame on that coach, shame on that department, like, these are real people. These are real lives. Um, and so I think when we are afraid to speak up, we have to remember that we are all we have at the end of the day. And if you want to have agency 
over yourself and your worth and your value, it is vital that you speak up. Jagadeesan's mental health got worse before it began to improve. Leaving her sport, seemingly the crux of her problems, didn't produce the intended response. As is common with athletes who break up with their sports, Jagadeesan started experiencing an athlete identity crisis. Eventually, like my senior year, I was hospitalized. Um, Just, it, it was everything. It was... It was just, you know, not being on the team anymore. It was not feeling loved. It was the trauma that just, you know, I, I did find out eventually that the, the, the gun was real, that everything about what happened was real. And in a way I was relieved that I wasn't lied to, but I was not, I, I guess I just, I, I think, you know, ultimately I loved running. I I loved what my body could do and I was completely heartbroken that everything else got in the way of that and my worth was tied to running. After Jagadeesan left the team, she put her time and effort into a newfound passion, sexual violence advocacy. I joined student government and I think that was really, really good for me. I did a lot of um, campaigns around gender-based violence on campus. I became an educator on healthy and consensual relationships, which again was a little ironic because I was not in a good relationship, but I think doing that work helped me get out of it. Um, but it it took years. <laughs> it, it took years. It took getting off the campus to be able to understand everything I've been through. Students have rights um, and they have power and you have a voice. And it was a battle learning that. Um, So that's why I do talk about what happened. Um, That's why I do Title IX advocacy work to make sure it is in the hands of survivors and the people that are most vulnerable to these issues because I never want any single person walking around campus the way that I felt. And then also leaving campus and having to pick up the pieces, no matter what, you have this sparkle that you were kind of like, you're born with, but you also develop going through life. Like I define sparkle as your happiness, your passion and self-worth, and no one can take that away. And sometimes it dims from the sexual violence or trauma or whatever it may be. But like, I had to learn that it wasn't just running that made me have a sparkle. It was writing. It was Fetty Wap. It was Rosé. It was macaroons. It was traveling. It was being with my friends. Like, it was so many things that made me worth something. And that's what I say every day. It's like, it's not just one thing. And that's like, it's, it's amazing because no one can ever take that away from you. Her exit from sport also served to redirect her attention. She started writing creatively as an outlet for her trauma. A mentor suggested taking her thoughts and experiences and pursuing a master of fine arts in creative writing. And I realized writing was the thing that made me feel the way running used to. And I leaned into it a little bit more. 
and I got into a master's program at Sarah Lawrence. It was the best decision I ever made. And somehow in that damn program and, you know, everything that I wrote, it was about running. And I noticed that the life of a writer is not very different than the life of a runner. Jagadeeson's planning to write a memoir about her experience at Xavier and hopes that by hearing her story and feeling her pain, other student-athletes will feel brave enough to seek help. In the meantime, she's focusing on gaining her sense of body autonomy back. I'm gaining that trust between my body and I back. And I think even if I never have running back, I definitely want the trust between me and my body because that outweighs everything. I think that's why I stayed on the team as long as I did is I was searching for that again. Um, I was searching for a way to feel good in this thing that I live in. Um, and writing does that for me. So, um, yeah, even if it, even running never comes back, I think that's what I try to push is like, there's more. You just have to keep looking for it. And then when you find it, lean into it. I think that's why creativity and unlocking creativity is really important. And especially for athletes and athletes that are trying to find life after athletics. Well, the, the main reason I, I, I pushed through that injury in high school to the point where I was never going to be able to run again was because I was trying to prove to my, to, to my team, my coaches that I was invincible. Like I was this, the, the moment I did decide to join cross country, the first, one of the first um, incidences I had of an injury was that I wasn't believed. I remember like it was my sophomore year and um, it was the state championship and I was hurt, couldn't walk, barely could walk. And I was limping through the warmup. And rather than a coach making the decision to pull me or from, you know, risk of tearing my Achilles or at least saying, hey, it's okay. I was told to get your goddamn shit together. Um, so I think, you know, from a young age, I learned that it wasn't, it was never about, for me, I thought it wasn't about being believed. It wasn't about me and my pain. And so if I wanted to show anyone that I was worthwhile, it was to work through the pain to any extent. And that mentality, care, not shouldn't say carried, it was the mentality that I then brought with me to then developing the, the stress fractures and pushing through anything, to then the mentality that I thought running was gonna be the cure to recovering from sexual assault, to then trying to push out all the threatening things I had with the gun and then the relationship that I had when I left the team. Like if I could just push through pain, like I was something, for God's sake. Like if I was sitting with a young girl today, like, no, that is not anything normal. And I think we have to make like, I, I know people would say, how are you drawing these similarities and comparisons in your head? This is violence. This is associated with violence against women. It's associated with violence against young people. You're a fool for thinking that these mentalities don't carry into other parts of your life. And if we're gonna 
be like, have these mentalities in sports where pain is weakness, leaving the body and all this other bullshit, like you are setting your athletes up for failure. If you're hearing your thoughts and experiences in Jagadeesan's words, I implore you to reach out to a therapist. Whether it's through your athletic department, team, or a third-party source like today's sponsor, it's imperative to reach out to someone you trust. If you need someone who's unbiased, today's sponsor could help. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Nearly all of the athletes I've interviewed have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now, I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help that you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash closer mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is also in the show notes. Before we conclude this episode, if you'd like to share your story on Closer Mentality, send at Closer Mental a DM on Instagram or Twitter. I'd love to speak with you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 73 of Closer Mentality. And thank you to Davy for sharing such a vulnerable part of her life with us. You can follow her on Instagram at Davy Jags. If you'd like to watch our full interview, head over to YouTube to the Closer Mentality Uncensored channel. All the full-length interviews with my guests are there. I've also linked a few resources in the show notes for individuals in similar situations to Davies. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellett. See you next week.